What's up, everybody? I'm Sarah. I'm Sam. And I'm Bobby. And this is Unsolved Mayhem. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Unsolved Mayhem. Uh, before we get started on today's show, we have a Patreon. Make sure you're going and checking that out so you're not missing any of the bonus episodes. Those come out every other weekend. And uh, if there's an episode you want to hear on the show, send that over to our email, unsolvedmayhem at gmail.com. So, Sarah, I'm assuming we're... It's, it's part two of Alcatraz today, right? Yes. Awesome. I am... Just, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time containing my excitement to figure out how these guys pulled it off. Okay. Well, where we left off in part one is where the guards realized that the three men were not in their cells for the morning check-in. And the part where Alan said, oh, I did it. Yeah, Alan tells on himself. Yeah. He was a dummy and got himself stuck in his cell. So from what I could find, it, like I said in part one, it was his idea to use the ventilator shaft. But it, the planning and the execution seems to be Frank was the brains behind the operation. Which makes sense. He was the uh, intelligent one of the bunch. Guards immediately began to search for the three men, but they had a pretty good head start. They had been gone since the night before. Alan was also interviewed for the details of the escape plan, which he willingly gave them. He told them everything. And because he cooperated, he was not given extra time on his sentence. Oh, that makes sense. Cut him some kind of deal for ratting on everybody. Their initial search lasted 10 days. They searched by air, boat, and on land. On June 14th, a Coast Guard picked up a paddle floating about 200 yards off the southern shore of Angel Island. That same day, workers on another boat found a wallet wrapped in plastic that belonged to one of the Anglin brothers. Then on June 21st, shreds of raincoat material believed to be their raft were found on a beach not far from the Golden State Bridge. Okay, so the raft made it to land. Yes. The next day, a prison boat picked up a deflated life jacket made from raincoat material about 50 yards from Alcatraz Island. And no other evidence has been found to this day, according to the FBI. Very early on, the FBI believed that they drowned. And they had four reasons for this. Number one was they said the mile-and-a-half swim from Alcatraz to Angel Island, there had 
been people to do it even back then and even more people have done it now yeah but the fbi did not believe the men could survive the strong currents and the frigid bay water well i don't think they have to make the entire swim no as long as they can raft raft. yeah as long as they can raft through a portion of it right you know the amount that they actually have to survive is significantly reduced The second reason is the plan, according to Alan West, was to steal clothes and a car once they got to land. The FBI claimed there was no such thefts reported in the area, but there were. It's come out recently that there were reports of things being stolen at the time they escaped, including a car. I mean, they have a tendency to not dig too deep into things. Right. The third reason was that they didn't think their families were financially stable enough to help them after they escaped. What does that have to do with anything? Like, they just assumed they would need money, and that since they couldn't get a job or go public, they would have to rely on their families, and their families were poor. Their fourth reason was they worked the case and found no credible evidence that suggested the men were alive in the U.S. or overseas. But, so the FBI closed its investigation into their escape on December 31st, 1979. And they turned it over to the U.S. Marshal Service. And the U.S. Marshals continue to investigate this case even today. And they're treating it as if the men are still alive. And they have warrants out for them until 2030. Dang. Because that would make the youngest out of them 100 years old. I mean, that that all makes sense. I mean, the only reason that I could think of why they wouldn't attribute the car thefts to these guys or saying that it could have been these guys as if none of them were unsolved if they figured out who all took each of those cars well Um, there was a blue car stolen that no one has figured out who took it so there's that then as far as the family's help i mean how far South in California is Alcatraz. I've never actually looked on the map. Is it pretty far from Mexico? I don't think so. Yeah. It's in San, like San Francisco Bay area, so... Okay. Well, I, I can't imagine that being incredibly far. Maybe a number of hours less than 10 away from the Mexican border, I would think. Oh, well, like less, to less flee the country? Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so... You know, there's that possibility. And then beyond that, the fact that the FBI turned this over to the marshals, who one of their primary functions is fugitive recovery. The FBI solves the crime. The marshals bring them in. Right. So I would think the FBI is just blowing smoke, and they think that these guys actually made it. And they are somewhere. They're just not sure where. I don't think they're anywhere anymore because of what I've read, but 
Yes. Now, the time frame in which this happened, plus their age, they're likely all dead by now. But I think they probably made it. I think they made it. So we're going to go back to 1962 for a minute. So on July 17th, 1962, a Norwegian ship claimed to spot a body floating in the ocean 15 nautical miles from the Golden State Bridge. They didn't retrieve the body, though, and they also did not report it until that October. The San Francisco County coroner... He didn't believe it was the body of one of the three men because he thought it was unlikely that they would float on top of the water for like a whole month after they escaped. Like they shouldn't have still been floating. Gotcha. He believed that the body was more likely a guy named Cecil Philip Herman, who was a 34-year-old unemployed baker who had jumped from the bridge just five days before that boat went by. That would make more sense. But he got a lot of shit for this, and like a lot of other coroners challenged his opinion, saying it could have been one of the men from Alcatraz. But I looked it up, and a body usually will only float for a week, maybe two depending on the birds in the area and the other scavengers that are eating the flesh. Right. Because once the flesh is gone, the bones sink. And this is technically Pelican Island. Oh, and yeah. And seagulls. And there's going to be a lot of birds. Yeah. So I don't think a body would still be floating after... Not for a full month, no. No. So, I just looked it up. From San Francisco to Tijuana, Mexico, which is just on the other side of the border. I don't know if they had tolls back then, but if you go the route with no tolls, it's almost exactly 10 hours drive. Like, due south. If it's a toll road, it's an hour shorter. If they didn't have tolls back then, stands a reason that it would be a nine-hour drive, basically. Yeah. If they made land, stole a car, drive nine hours, you know, ten with bathroom breaks, and they're it's possible, gone. I mean, it's also pretty close to Canada. It's like almost a dead center of California. It would be a hell of a lot faster for them to go south than north. I would think, anyway. I'm I'm checking. <laughs> <laughs> Another reason why I don't think that was one of their bodies is because how would the FBI and the Coast Guard have missed that? Yeah, they would have ID'd searched the water as good as they claim they did. So Alan West was later transferred to McNeil Island in Washington after Alcatraz was closed in March of 1963. So Alcatraz was closed like a year later. After they escaped. If they went north, it's almost a 15-hour drive to Vancouver, which is just on the north side of the Canadian border. So, I mean, technically, I know where people think they went, So, um, but I'm trying not to spoil it. The bottom <laughs> of the bay? I'm not going to say until we get there. <laughs> Disneyland. That's where I'd go. 
<laughs> so Alan was transferred. This is literally a year, almost exactly later, but Alcatraz closed. So from there, he served time in Georgia and Florida state prisons. He was released for a short time, but rearrested on grand larceny charges. While serving his time for the grand larceny, he stabbed a man in Florida state prison in October of 1972 and ended up getting life in prison after that. And he passed away in 1978 of acute peritonitis, which is like the inflammation of your GI tract, I think. Mm. On December 16th, 1962, though, an inmate by the name of John Paul Scott made water wings from inflated rubber gloves and swam the 2.7 nautical miles from Alcatraz to Fort Point, which was at the southern end of the Golden Gate Bridge. He was found on the, like, laying on the beach by some teenagers, and he was suffering from exhaustion and hypothermia. So he was treated and then sent back to Alcatraz. So he did all that work, but he made it by swimming. That would fucking suck. Fighting for your life. Make it to land, and they're like... We'll fix you up and send you right back to where you came from. Yeah. You like pass out, you know, after making it. And you're like, yes, I'm free. And then you wake <laughs> back up and you're in your cell and you're like, was it all a fucking dream? What the hell just happened? <laughs> John is the only documented inmate to reach the shore by swimming. Other people have done it, but he is the only inmate that is recorded as making it. A multitude of athletes swim that the path that he took as part of two annual triathlon events. Though, like, it's possible to swim it. And they had a raft that was found on the beach. Like, people point to, oh, why would they leave behind the wallet? But my whole thing is, like... I don't think they did that on purpose. I kind of think they did. Want to make it look like they drowned? Like, make it look like we drowned, throw your wallet in. But that's just my opinion. So Alcatraz closed in 1963. It was Robert Kennedy was the one who gave the order because the cost to house the inmates was $10 each compared to every other prison where it was only $3 a piece. Plus, by this point, the prison had severe saltwater damage. And, like, the walls were starting to crumble. And they were like, yeah, we're not putting money back into this. So they transferred all the inmates to other prisons. Like I said, if they would have just waited a little bit longer. But, I mean, technically, I think they got out. So it doesn't really matter. Now, over the years, there have been a lot of sightings of Frank, John, and Clarence. In January of 1965, FBI investigated a rumor that Clarence was living in Brazil, but they found no direct evidence to link him to there. In 1967, a man claiming he was an old classmate of Frank Morris and had known him for like 30 years, said he saw Frank in Maryland 
but refused to give any more detail than that. Because he's like, I'm not ratting out my friend. Just saying. So I'm in Maryland. Family members of the Anglin brothers received postcards and letters over the years, most of which were not signed, but one was signed just Jerry, and then the other was signed Jerry and Joe. They also gave investigators a Christmas card that they received in their mailbox in 1962, and it said, To Mother, From John, Merry Christmas. Their brother Robert said sometimes the phone would ring, but all they could that could be heard on the other end was breathing. And he no like he was like, I know it could be prank, but he really thought that it was one of his brothers yeah. calling. Their mother also received flowers every Mother's Day until her death in nineteen seventy three. But they, the card was never signed. When she passed away, two very tall, unusual women wearing very heavy makeup were reported to be at her funeral. It is believed that this was the Anglin brothers dressed like women so they could go to their mom's funeral. I could see that. Yeah. From the late... 60s into the 70s there were sightings of the brothers in north florida and georgia then in 1989 when their father passed away robert said there were two strange men that attended the funeral with like heavy beards and he said they stood by the casket for a few minutes crying and then they snuck out without speaking to anyone so he also believes those were his brothers. Also in 1989, a woman who identified herself only as Kathy called Unsolved Mysteries tip line. She said a man matching Clarence's description was living on a farm near Marina, Florida. Another woman claimed the same thing, and another witness claimed they had seen a man resembling Frank Morris also living in Marina. In 1993, a former inmate of Alcatraz named Thomas Kent told America's Most Wanted that he helped plan the escape. He said that Clarence's girlfriend at the time was supposed to meet the men that night and drive them to Mexico. Bobby's theory. Thomas said he did not join the escape because he didn't know how to swim. But his interview was never taken seriously by officials because he was paid for it. Oh, yeah. Also in 1993, a man named John Leroy Kelly gave a deathbed confession to his nurse. He claimed that he and a partner picked the men up in a boat that night and transferred them to Canada. He claimed that he and his partner killed the men to get $40,000 from their families that they had raised for them when they escaped. He said they met the family in a location in Seattle, which is also where he said the, their bodies were buried. But officials actually did go there and look for bodies and they found nothing. So I don't really believe that one. I feel like he was on his deathbed and just wanted like that one last minute of like yeah, I, I am somebody. Some deathbed confessions make no sense to me. Like why fabricate a story right before you pass away? 
Like, why? Just to keep people guessing, and then you're like, <laughs> you'll never know. <laughs> I mean, maybe. People are. I just asshole, ruined your dude. life. <laughs> I mean, I could see that. The show Mythbusters decided to do an episode on the escape in 2003. They used the same material and tools the men used in 1962. Their experiment concluded it was definitely possible for them to make it with those things that they had. The Anglin family was told in 2010 by Robert, so Clarence and John's brother, that he had been in contact with his brothers from 1963 until 1987 and, and somehow lost contact with them. So he said that as he was passing away. Like, that was his deathbed confession, is I've literally been in contact with them until I lost them in 1987. Then more information came out in 2011, 2011 on a documentary entitled Vanished from Alcatraz that aired on the National Geographic channel. It claimed that the FBI's official report was not right. Like I said, there was a car stolen that night. It was a 1955 blue Chevy. They also left out that a raft was discovered on Angel Island on June 12, 1962, which I already said they found that, but originally they didn't tell anybody that, that they found their raft. Oh, they kept that a secret? Mm-hmm. On the same day that that Chevy was stolen in 1962, 80 miles away in Stockton, California, a motorist reported to California Highway Patrol that he was forced off the road by three men in a blue Chevy. That was also never released to the public until 2011. So I feel like Bobby's thing is right. They were trying to, like, hide it that they let these three dudes get away. Yeah. Also in 2011, an 89-year-old man claiming to be a cousin of Frank Morris said that on eight or nine occasions before the men escaped, he delivered envelopes of money to Alcatraz guards as a bribe. He also claimed that he met Frank in San Diego Park shortly after the escape. Now... When this man supposedly met Frank, he had his daughter with him at the time who was like nine years old. And she remembers meeting a man named Frank at the park with her dad. And her dad just told her it was a family friend. So there's a lot more evidence pointing to the fact that they did make it. Yes. Not that they drowned. The issue is it's like any other unsolved thing. There's no no body, no proof. Right. It's just shitty that you would have to live the rest of your life, though, in hiding like that and have to wear drag just to go to your mom's funeral. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what kind of freedom is that if you're... And the thing about it to me... always in the shadows. The thing about it that strikes me as weird is if you did make it and you lived the rest of your life without committing any crime to end up back in prison 
why not have just served your time, got out, and not serve, like, not done any more crime? If you were capable know. of that. Some people need that, like... Fear? Yeah, like that weighted blanket, you know? Like that reason to not commit crimes. <laughs> right. Like, oh, I really want to do that, but they're going to catch me. I'm going to be back in prison. Well, scientists of Delft University did a study in 2014 on the ocean currents around Alcatraz. They concluded that if they if the men left Alcatraz at 11:30 p.m. on June 11th, they could have easily made it to Horseshoe Bay, which is north of the Golden State Bridge. And any debris would have floated in the direction of Angel Island, which was consistent with where the paddle and the other belongings were found. If they left before or after 1130, the currents would have been too strong to survive it. So they had a very short window of time that the current was settled enough that they could have made it. Hmm. Well... Whether it was good timing or luck, I guess it worked out for them. There's been a lot of other research over the years done by the Anglin family. They had a lot of circumstantial evidence that suggested their the brothers owned a farm in Brazil. A family friend of theirs had went to Brazil and said he ran into one of the brothers while in Rio de Janeiro in 1975. He took pictures, one of which showed two men, which he claimed were John and Clarence, standing next to a large termite mound. And then he took photos of their farm. Experts working for the family in 2015 confirmed the photo was taken in 1975 and said it was more than likely John and Clarence. So it did look like them. Yeah. But the issue with the photo became that it was old and worn and both of the men were wearing sunglasses. The photos were not the only thing the family had to offer. They also gave an alternative escape theory. According to this family friend, because he had talked to them, according to him. So he said that what they did was rather than use the raft that they made to cross the bay, they paddle. They used the raft to paddle to the other side of the island to the boat dock where they attached an electrical cord to the ferry that went back and forth and the ferry pulled them to the other side. And... The last ferry that was, like, left the island that night was at midnight. They wouldn't have been noticed? Not in the dark, probably. I don't know. But he claimed that's what they told him, that they did. I'm not sure about that one. (laughs) (laughs) The problem with all of this was even this man's wife told U.S. Marshals that he was a con man. She said... She never heard him ever tell this story. So the U.S. Marshals brushed him off and didn't pay attention to him. Didn't follow up on his story. 
Maybe she was just looking out for the brothers. And her husband. Yeah. Oh, my husband's a kook. Don't listen to him. (laughs) He tells stories all the time. He just fabricates stuff. He just wants the attention. Right. The FBI did confirm in 2018 that San Francisco Police Department received a letter in 2013. So they came out in 2018 and said, oh, yeah, in 2013, the San Francisco police received this letter that was allegedly written by John Anglin. In the letter, he wrote that Frank Morris died in 2008 and was buried in Alexandria under a different name. And Clarence died in 2011. And he wrote his purpose for writing them was to negotiate his surrender in exchange for medical treatment for his cancer. They deemed the letter's authenticity was inconclusive, so they never followed up with it. They never contacted the guy back to at least see? No. Not that I could find anywhere. It's just simple email. Like, hey, send us your credentials. <laughs> like, can you meet us here? Just meh. I don't believe it. They're letting the trash. Yeah. In 2020, an Irish creative agency and AI specialist used facial recognition techniques and concluded that the photo of the two men standing by the termite mound was John and Clarence Anglin. But despite all of these things, the case is still considered a mystery because no one can confirm 100% if Frank, John, and Clarence actually made it across the bay alive. That sounds like they haven't even tried to confirm it. No, I don't think they have. They just said, oh, that's neat. Moving on? Yeah, like... Yeah, our our top guy, he came up with, you know, his hypothesis is the only thing we're going off, and that doesn't match what he says, so near theory's dumb. (laughs) (laughs) He's the smartest man I know. So how do you feel about that? I think they made it, and they lived their lives, and I believe the letter that was sent in 2013 was probably from John. Yeah, I think they made it also. Yeah, at this point, I would say more than likely. They probably made it. There's too much, like, evidence, I don't know, that all lines up saying that they more than likely made it. Yeah, and they... But the FBI's just embarrassed, and they're like, that's not accurate. I also believe... Frank's cousin and that he was paying guards to like help them. Oh yeah. People will take money for anything. If you're willing to pay enough, people will agree to it. Yeah. Well, that's my story guys. Alright. Well, if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you let us know. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us five stars wherever you're listening. Share it with a family member, a friend, coworker, whoever. And uh Thanks for listening. We'll see y'all back next week. Bye. Bye, 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 bye. Bye.